Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday and uh, August, what is the date today, man? August 20-something? 20. 20 28th? 28th. It is the, the last Friday of uh, August and that means it is time for our leadership series. So I've got my buddy Aaron Cerrone in the studio with me today and we're going to, this is episode number two in our leadership series uh, of many more to come. Um, it's interesting, when I first started this podcast, I put out uh, a request for input. Hey, anybody that has a topic or a suggestion or something else that they would like us to address on the podcast, just email me, Doug at FletcherSafety.com. Let me know what it is, and we would be happy to discuss it. I'll you know pose it to my guests, and then we see what we get. And in nine months, I got nothing. And then about a month ago, Aaron came on the show and proposed, hey, we're going to talk about leadership. If there's anything you want to talk about, just send Doug an email. And I got about 20 emails. Like within a week, and so... Um, I, I like to say it's my good looks, but we're on the radio. <laughs> we're so. on the ra- that's right, man. Um, that's probably fortunate, frankly. Um, there is a gallery on the website if you want to see what Aaron looks like. His picture's on the website along with... Uh, uh, I, I am dressed to the nines. That's today. right, man. You look good. In yeah. fact, we're going to get a picture of that just to make sure that gets posted on the website. <laughs> so so I, I do want to thank everyone that sent in a question. Man, I, I was really... Um, uh, pleased by the response. And so I got a lot of questions for Aaron today, uh, and we'll go over that. We're just going to start chipping away at this leadership concept and these things, and then we're just going to, you know, throw it out there for discussion and see where it takes us. And so, and we frankly r- rarely know where it's going to take us, so we'll <laughs> see where statement. that gets us. Um, I do want to thank, always thank my sponsors, the incredibly generous folks that allow this to happen, CCS Group, Safety Reports, Medical Enterprises, and the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group. This episode in particular, however, is sponsored by Mid-American Martial Arts. That's Aaron's company, his business. Uh, And he has agreed not only to come and actually provide the information, but sponsor it. So I'm kind of double dipping here, man. Uh, (laughs) I I feel like I'm getting the best of this deal, but thank you very much for being here. So how are things going? How are you doing? School's back in session. Yeah, man, school, UNO started back up, which was just complete lunacy. Of course, Zoom has to crash on the first day of class, right? And so, you know, with the vast majority of our classes being what we we call remote synchronous and online, and of course, the damn thing crashes, like you couldn't have a bigger tech nightmare on the first day. And then um, I still have one in-person class, uh, and but I Zoom it as well, so the, you know, students that don't want to come in can still watch it, and then my online students can watch it too. And then the video was working, but the audio wasn't. So it's just, you know, we just couldn't get it right the first day. And then uh, Wednesday was better. We had everything firing and we had it it running good. Do Um, do you have students that have elected not to come in? So I have one class. In-person classes? uh, Yeah, a handful, but not many. I was really surprised. I was fully expecting that first day to walk in and be like five people sitting there of like the 35 or 40. But uh, it was full. Um, We have one room that can accommodate. Uh, about 100 people so we can spread everybody out for a class of about 30 or 40 and it works out nice but I was really surprised and I think it just goes to show that the uh, even the students value in-person absolutely uh, contact and 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 understand education really changes when you're in front of somebody vice through a video or, or online and it's really unfortunate where where we are where we are but you know it is what it is like like we know the quality of education is not as good when you're online or going through Zoom. Like I just being in front of somebody when I lecture, I can gauge just by facial expressions whether it's clicking for them or whether I need to change the angle or whether some example I use just 
you know, being older and I use some examples and they look at me like, who the hell are the Keystone cops? <laughs> right. right. And I just like, okay, that's not a good example. Right. But I can right. see that immediately and I can, I can pivot and, and kind of switch yeah. and, and turn the lecture, which is very beneficial for them and me. But when you're not in front of them, it's just tough. And, and they, you know, when they have questions on the spot, you can address it right away. So it's just kind of a bummer. You know, I, um, online education, it is what it is. Like you, it's more self-paced than anything. I'm more of a, a proctor than a teacher when it comes to that and and i think there's that's a huge distinction right that people need teaching some people just can't learn online uh like others can and need to be in front of somebody so it was encouraging to walk in the first day and see a full classroom and uh that, that they acknowledge that as well and i think a lot of kids would you know a part of me almost wishes we had just scrapped the whole semester and just said well it's screw it and then let's wait till next year but i get it there's some kids that are expecting to graduate in december some have are scheduled to graduate in may so you know you really can't do that either mm-hmm. so you know like it is what it is like yeah like i know quality's going to go down i know gpas are probably going to go down a little bit um it's almost to the point where they need to like the registrars are gonna have to put an asterisk on transcripts like that was the COVID semester, right? Exactly. Like, like take that gpa with a grain of salt because yeah, that's an interesting know, point I, I would agree and what about um what about grading a an, an online course? Is it? I mean, I I, th- I think you know my wife is an elementary school teacher, and I think to some degree, and I don't I'm I'm not disparaging elementary school. Obviously, they have an incredibly difficult right. job, but I think the consensus is that hey, everybody's going to pass. We're just going to you know everybody's going to get a reasonable grade because we know how challenging this sure, is. Sure, like you, we've been told by the administration to be more lenient, like. Don't hand it to them, but to be more lenient and be understanding. But at the same time, like you don't want to water down right. the education. You don't want to make the piece of paper worthless and mail it in. Um, you know, obviously, there's ways to do it. You can just throw out multiple choice and it auto grades and just you mind-numbingly do it. I, I don't like to do that. Like my the tests I usually give, if I do give exams, I like to do like multiple choice, true, false, short answer. Fill, like I like to hit their understanding from all angles, mm-hmm. and just doing that makes it harder test but that's tough to do online because you know it's, it's much harder to grade uh when you start doing things like that and um just the automation doesn't work quite as, as smoothly because you know if i set up a test online and then they do a short answer like the computer will grade it wrong just on a misspelled word mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the answer was right. So then you got to go back through, yeah, and you yeah. got to regrade everything, which is fine. But, you know, when you start stacking up 100, 150 students, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that's, a lot that's very time consuming. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's how much pain do you want on both sides of the of the mm-hmm. issue? Um, and then, you know, of course, when they're not in front of you, you got to worry about cheating. And, and mm-hmm. with technology, cheating is much, much easier. And uh, students are very creative in how to, <laughs> just like we were back in yeah, the day, yeah. you know, we all, problem we all solving skills there. Yeah. And, uh, but also technology is better on our end to catch stuff like that. But it's yeah. just that, that, you know, it's just the unnecessary game you got to play because of the mm-hmm. transition we had to make. So, you know, it's a challenge, you know, we'll figure it out and, and we'll keep, keep trucking, hopefully after certain events happen in November, a lot of the lunacy will stop and we'll get back to normal. Yeah, and, I hope um, so too, man. And, uh, I hope you know, so we, too. we get back to normal on all fronts, you know? Yeah. Well, man, I've got a, a list of questions here. I don't know how many of these will get in in the hour, um, but I'm just going to start yeah, throwing these it. questions at you. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of these things. These mm-hmm. were all submitted by listeners. And so, I, again, I'm really appreciative, man. Uh, keep, the, keep the questions coming, folks. 
Um, the first question is a big question, actually. Um, can go a lot of different ways, but this comes from Josh. How does leadership affect a company's culture? Yeah, man, that's <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a that's a big broad that is brush. The question really. right there. You know, there's there's lots of there's lots of thoughts on this. You know, there's lots of thoughts that uh, leadership sets the tone, and then the culture permeates from there. There's a lot of thought that culture is from the bottom up, from from the people coming up. Um, and, and the leader then guides that culture. Uh, I think it's both, right? Um, culture's huge, right? Culture is a big question right now. And we had talked about this a little bit before with everybody starting to work from home. You know, can you even have a culture when people aren't? Mm -hmm. I mean, culture is a group of people coming together with like-minded ideas and, and thoughts and interests and, and that's what brings them right. together, and that's what creates cultures, people being right. together. And that's, in the last 10 years or so, a lot of companies have been, you know, culture's been the foot stomping, been the mantra, build a culture, build a place where people want to come and enjoy and value their work and, and value the people and interact, and that's what spawns collaboration and interaction and innovation and all the other buzzwords that we mm -hmm. can put out mm -hmm. here. Um, and, and that's why you see, you know, companies like Facebook and Google create pretty much Disneyland's uh, mm -hmm. at the office and now all of a sudden we're at home and and so there's a lot of questions of can you even have culture when people aren't co-located right like i mean there's always a culture right there's there's a subculture to everything there's a there's a tiktok culture there's a facebook culture uh i mean you and i aren't on tiktok maybe our our, <laughs> our tech person over here a little Sasha, younger, you on TikTok? a little younger than us might be yeah, right? yeah. but um, that's but a culture right so yeah. you can argue well yeah there's still culture but is it is it the same mm -hmm. um now, obviously, most of the industries in which you deal with, people are still at work, right? Mm -hmm. They can't do that stuff right. virtually. We, we they're, manufacture they're on the line, in a facility, exactly. Right, in the facilities, right? So um, there's a benefit there, I think, because you still have people in front of you, and, and you still have people interacting. It's got to be um, easier to drive a culture in person, too, I would think. Absolutely. It's just like it's easier to teach in person, like I just mm -hmm. talked about, because you're in front of people, and, and you're talking to them, you're speaking with them. So... Um, I think leadership has a huge effect on culture because not only does a leader set the tone, but everybody's watching the leadership, right? A lot of managers and leaders don't understand they are watching you. Mm -hmm. They're watching everything you do, every step you take, every word you use, they hang on it. Mm -hmm. um, and that really affects the, the, the quote unquote culture, right? Just the attitudes um, that permeate throughout you know, if, if you're a leader that has a, I don't, I don't give a shit attitude, well, what do you think is going to happen as that permeates out? Like if, if you're a leader who um, just views people as workers and just cattle to get a job done and, and don't care about their family or ask them how their day is or ask them how little Johnny's wrestling match went, okay, that attitude is going to permeate throughout. Like they're definitely not going to reciprocate mm -hmm. and they're going to start treating everybody else like that as well. But if you're that person that walks around and, and the first question out of your mouth is, hey, how's your day? Or I heard your daughter was sick. How's she doing? Like that sets a different tone than did you get the work done? That's an interesting point. Right? You know, so let me, let me ask you a question about that, man. So you are a military man, an officer mm -hmm. in the military. Can you, as a military officer, have those kind of relationships with your troops? I mean, you, is that... Is, do you see that in the military like you might in a workplace? So Another workplace, I should say. Uh, the push has been, in recent years, more than ever, to move towards that corporate mindset okay. approach like you're describing. I mean, the military used to be very robotic, right? 
and, and by design, right? Mm-hmm. You, you need to build it so that people can't break it because it needs to perform mm-hmm. in a heartbeat on, on a moment's notice. If the shit hits the fan, the military needs to engage, it needs to perform. There can't be a lot of right. emotion and touchy-feely right. going on. But we also understand the military is made of people, and a lot of the corporate strategies and the mindfulness concepts and, and the leadership concepts of building culture um, – Obviously, they've been finding in the last decade or so that there is a place for that. Okay, so you're starting to see more and more of it. Um, it used to be, yes, sir, no, sir, salute smartly and carry on. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, not how or why it's do or die kind of approach. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter how somebody treated you. It's just, well, you're in the military. It's your job. Just shut up and color. And and I don't get me wrong. I think there's a time and a place for that. But we also understand that it's not necessarily the best for performance and the productivity and the work culture at the same time. It's, there's still people involved, right? So uh, there's a happy medium is what I'm okay. saying, right? There's that balance and, and they're, they're always working to find that balance. Okay. I, so I, I now think- you're starting to see leadership training, take more of a tone of the things we're talking about, um, as well. Um, obviously it's a little different in, in corporate world on the civilian side because, you know, you got more things to worry about. Like the military, um, it's a little easier for leaders because they don't have to worry about payroll. They're not worrying about a bottom line. They're not worrying about revenue. They're not worrying about operational expenses. It's, it's all taken care of. Like all that is off their plate. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is focus on people and accomplishing the mission. Like all these other moving parts just don't exist. That's a good point. Uh, for a military leader. So um, it's easier in, in a lot of those aspects. You know, you don't, in the military, you don't see somebody just not show up. <laughs> right. You don't see somebody walk in and say, I quit today. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just doesn't happen, mm-hmm. right? Very, very rarely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, don't, you don't fire people. Like, uh, you fire somebody, personnel throws someone else in. Like, so th- those issues uh, don't exist uh, as readily mm-hmm. as on the civilian side in the corporate world. Um, you know, I'm sure people listening, like, they can have countless examples of someone just not showing up on the line oh, that yeah. day. And like, where were you? Oh, I quit. Mm-hmm. And it, just like that, it's like, yeah. uh, and you can't do anything about it. It's like, okay, shit, we got to find somebody. Yeah. Or somebody just turns in there two weeks on a moment's notice and, and catches you blindsided. Um, now, you know, circling back, if if you've created a good culture, that tends to happen less and less because mm-hmm. people enjoy their work. They want to be there. You're taking care of them. And they have no desire to go somewhere else unless some monster opportunity comes by. And then you can't really blame them, right? Right. So but That's a um, very good point, I think. Creating that culture will address many of those issues. If you can, if you can create a culture where people feel included or they feel valued or what, whatever that is, yeah. that, then all those other things tend to be less absenteeism, sure. you know, like attitude, morale, those kind of things. Absolutely, and and they'll work harder, they'll work longer because they're, you know, to Josh's question is that, you know. Um, I think there was a question somewhere down here, difference between a leader and a manager. I, I think the big difference is, you know, when you're starting to become a leader and when people work for you, not because you told them to, they want to do it for you, right? They'll go above and beyond. Like when you start seeing that, they come in early, they work through lunch, they stay late, not because you asked them because they did it or they came in on a Saturday to get the work done, to work a little bit extra, or they're bringing suggestions to you on how to make the place better, not because you ask them because they feel compelled to because they want to, or they're, they're recommending friends to come work there as well. So, or they have no problem like, hey, no problem, boss, I'll do it, you know. 
And that's when I think that's that's when you start to see a transition between a manager and a leader. They're starting to want to do it for you because of you, not because you told them or because they had to. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a different mm-hmm. kind of feeling on that end. And that and that's because, you know, uh, when I say you're taking care of them, not just giving them the, the, the physical things they need to get their job done, is you're taking care of them as people, right? You're showing true interest in them as a person. Like when you're walking the floor, like you're looking for work things that need to be fixed and accomplished, mm-hmm. but you're also talking to them as people, as human beings. Or like you're treating them as human beings and, and asking them with true intent how their day is and how their family is and do you need anything, um, you know, it's it's a different conversation. That person that's walking the floor, vice the other person, you know, the hammer walking the floor looking for the safety violations. Why isn't your belt on? Or why isn't your hat on? Or or why aren't you following the like that? That's a different person walking the floor. Why why is that? That seems to be lost on a number of people. Um, I still see hammers out there managing facilities and safety guys hard. that are police. The safety policemen, you know, that's easy. Um, are we are we are we promoting the wrong people? Are, are we promoting for the wrong skill set? Are we? Are, well, well, that that is that is that is huge, right? Like that management leadership that that, that is a specific skill set. It can be learned, it can be trained, but it doesn't come just inherent to everybody, natural mm-hmm. to everybody, mm-hmm. right? Because you and I both know there's there's people who just aren't people. They're not a people person, mm-hmm. right? They don't have the the inner right. um, the social skills, right? The interrelational skills, right. interpersonal skills. Uh, to pull it off, right? And they're very good at their job, right? Don't get me wrong. They're very good technician. Or they're very good operator. That doesn't mean they should be running the place mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, that's interesting because at we all. typically promote or we oftentimes promote based on performance. Right, which you want to, right? You, you, you want, want to do that. You want, you, want to, you want to move people up through the company. You want to promote within. You want to reward people. But that doesn't mean you should put a square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't, you know, like... Sasha, right? That's her name. Like she, she might be very good at, at running this board and might be the best out there. Does that mean she should run the company? Like I, I don't know. She might be very capable of doing that. She might not, but she might not even want to, mm-hmm. right? So here I am. Like I say, I'm the owner of the company. I'm like, man, you're a great operator. I'm gonna have you run the whole show. And she might say yes because you know you, you don't want to say no to your boss. But I might be putting her in a position where she's a uncomfortable, doesn't really want to do it, right? Or just may not have the skill set to do it. And now what have I set up the company for, right? Some major issues down the road. When all along I should have just went, you know what? Hey, do you want to do this? She might go, no, not really. I'm like, hey, that's fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I have to find other ways to promote, to incentivize, Mm -hmm. right? Right? Because that's what she wants to do. She wants to run the board. She wants to be creative. She wants to interact with the people doing the podcast and, and, and that's, that's her gig. That, that's her zone of genius. Right. And I want to keep her there mm-hmm. as long as I can throwing her into a leadership management position, pulls her out of that zone of Jesus. And I put her in an area she's not comfortable, maybe doesn't have the skill set, And now that's going to start to screw other stuff up. Mm-hmm. You know, that is really, that is really interesting. My experience with the government, you know, I was a 25 year civil servant and everything is on there. Congrats, that. and I'm sorry at the same <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, man, I mean, yeah. My psychiatrist says that I'm, I'm showing some signs of improvement, though. So <laughs> it's not much longer. I That's might be fair. able to go out in public again. But, um, you know, it's such a, it's so tight at the top in the, in the, in the, um, the structure, the management structure. So what I always found interesting was, for example, in an OSHA field office, there are 10 to 20 compliance officers there are one to two team leaders, and there is one director. 
And anytime one of those team leader jobs became available, you know, that was really your only promotion opportunity. Mm-hmm. Typically, you get to the top of your GS schedule, you know, your, your right. compliance officer, I'm a GS-12, that's the journey level, and you are stuck there. And so there are a lot of people that are applying for those permit uh, those positions simply because it's the only promotion available. Right. And the point you made about, you know, if you've got somebody that is a great field person, a great inspector, maybe they're not maybe they're not cut out to be the team leader, but somehow you need to reward them for that. And I just thought the government system was so limited in that. Right, and and it's tough, right? Some. You know, last, since the market crash went in 08, you know, a lot of companies leaned out and flattened out and there's not a lot of upward mobility in a lot of places. So now you have to get really creative and how do I reward this, this kick-ass operator in the field, this person who's on the line, you know, and, and it might be putting them, you can still find little leadership positions for them. Like maybe you just put them in charge of training. Like, hey, I recognize you're very good. Can you help us create a training manual to make everybody as good as you? Right. I like right? that. Right? Yeah. And, and get them involved in that manner. Get them involved in, like, being the gold standard, right? And, and maybe when new people come on and you do some OJT, some on-the-job training, that's the person you put them with. I like that. Right? And so now they're mentoring other people, right? So, so you're giving them this leadership mentor opportunity while not taking them out of the field or off the line because you recognize – they're the best, right? And I want them out there. And, and it's like, I don't want to take them out of there because they're the gold standard. Mm-hmm. But how can I get everybody to be like them? Well, mm-hmm. let's get them involved in doing that. That's a great... And, and, and now you you also tap them as like, you're my go-to person. Like, hey, what can we do to be better? Mm-hmm. Right. So you start having those one-on-one conversations like, hey, Doug, I recognize, you know, you've been here a long time. You're the best we got. I want to know what, what you think we can do to make the place better. And you get them involved in that manner as well. Mm-hmm. Man, that, that is the take-home message. If nothing else, that is the message. I, I love that idea. I like utilizing them for those things that they're good at, either teaching the process, mm-hmm. mentoring. But when you promote them into the management position, now you've added all that other crap to their plate. <laughs> right. You know, that they don't... And crap's probably a good and, term, And, and too. they don't want to do all of the personnel issues, all that other sure. crap that, you know, as you yeah. described earlier... Um, and, and sometimes you destroy those people, sure. you know, who they were high performers and now you've put them in a position where they have to do all these other things they have either perhaps no interest in nor no capability of, mm-hmm. you know, no skill set to accommodate and man, you ruin them. I, I love that. That is a great suggestion. Find little ways to engage them in leadership opportunities. Sure. And, and to Josh's like point, I think that's, that's building culture, mm-hmm. right? That's building culture. That's taking care of people. That's helping them in their career. That's it's, it's advancing them. It's rewarding them. That's showing true interest in them as a person, and and that's gonna permeate. Because if I if I treat you like that, what are you gonna turn around and do to your peers? Should show the yeah, same thing. Uh, yeah, odds are likely you're gonna do the same thing. But if I'm just an ass to you, then all I'm worried about is how much did you get done today? Did you make any safety violations? Like mm-hmm. now, how are you gonna? act towards everybody else. And, right. and, and that's like, that's the culture. Like culture's not all about, we, we tend to think culture is, is everybody happy? As long as everybody's happy, you have a good culture. Oh shit. The natives are restless. Uh, just buy them lunch today. They'll be, right. they'll be happy. Right. All right. Yeah, right. Give them a, give them an extra break. Like happy to me, a culture. And, and I think everybody listening will appreciate this. To me, a good culture is a productive culture, a high performing culture. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean everybody's happy. 
Mm-hmm. One, we know we can't make everybody happy. So let's get that out there. Like right. this idea that everybody has to be happy at work, I think is, is a huge falsehood uh, and mantra that gets put out there. Not everybody has to be happy. Would you like them to be? Absolutely, 100%. Do you want them to look forward to coming to work? Absolutely, 100%. Right? But on any given day, you, you might have some that aren't. That doesn't mean the culture is bad all of a sudden. Or you might need to take the company, like, Part of being a business owner and the CEO is you need to make hard decisions, right? And you're going to have to make decisions that aren't popular mm-hmm. with everybody. But that's what the business needs at the time. And people are going to be unhappy with that. That doesn't mean you should avoid making that decision because people might be unhappy and it's going to hurt the culture. Okay? Hey, you need the business to be around to even have a culture, right? Mm-hmm. So let's get that out there. Mm-hmm. Business decisions need to be made that are going right. to be unpopular. Right. That it is what it is. But... As a leader and a manager, here's where it comes into play. It's like transparency, truthfulness, honesty, explaining. A lot of times people are unhappy because they don't understand, right? Mm -hmm. It just wasn't explained to them or it wasn't explained to them in a way they understand why they're there and why things are happening, right? Because what happens? Oh, the greedy-ass owner just Mm -hmm. wants to put more money in his or her pocket. Right. When that wasn't the case at all, the market shifted. Another player came into the industry, into the area. They took some mm-hmm. of our business. We lost some big contracts. Uh, we got hit with a fine. Like, there's so many moving parts that people don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to know everything. Don't get me wrong. But if they don't understand the decision and why it's happening, now it's like, oh, that greedy SOB, mm-hmm. when all it needed was a conversation, it's like, hey guys, here's what's coming down the pipe, here's why it's happening, here's why it's good for the company, here's how it's going to benefit you, we understand there's going to be some pain with this, um, we're asking you to bear with us, please help us get through this transition, and if you have any suggestions how to make it better, please let us know, mm-hmm. um, right. but we're all going through this, um, and hopefully in the end, the company's going to be better, and all your jobs will be better for it, right, and it's like, okay, that's a different tone, than just, here's what's happening, deal with it, shut up and color. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, like right. why all of a sudden am I having to wear all this extra gear? Like, like what happened? Like, when you explain it to people and, you, and you're getting them involved, right? And mm-hmm. now part of that culture is transparency and openness and truthfulness. Um, you know, part of, part of the reason why it's important for leaders and managers to say, I don't know, when they truly don't know. It's like, okay. You're being honest with me. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to find out, and right. we'll, all, we'll all understand together and not just make up some crap yeah. or just, just do what I told you to do because they see right through that, right? People right. see right through that. They know you're BSing them, and they know that, yeah, they don't that right you don't care well. enough that you want to make sure I understand as well. Right. I think that I think that has absolute application in the safety world, and I was talking with someone about that recently the, the benefit explaining the why behind some of the decisions we make in safety, because, we, you know, safety is not really something that, I mean, there are times when you have to dictate certain things that are, you know, part of our safety program. You tell, we, we must do this, but I think employees are much more receptive to that if it's explained why we're doing this. Uh, you know, even if it's even it's as simple as saying that OSHA requires us to do this, we may not like it. it we, let's find a way to, to at least... Uh, you know, tolerate it or make the best out of it, whatever that might be. Yeah, but, but even then, like, but I think to people want to know a cop why. Out. Well, OSHA said we got to do it. It's like, okay, well, what's OSHA's rationale? Yeah. You know, not just we, I mean, we blindly follow the rest of the lemmings off the cliff. Right. That, right? That's true. I, and we've all been there. It's like, 
why the hell must we wear this now? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Well, there might be a very valid reason, just we didn't explain right. it right, or right. we didn't even bother to explain it. And, th- and that's huge, right? Because that builds distrust, and that's going to grow. That's only going to mm-hmm. grow, mm-hmm. right? And then yeah. and then it's going to bust at the seams at some point. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's interesting. All right, man. Question number two. <laughs> that, was, that was a big question, well, It took us Josh. a half hour to answer the first yeah, one. Yeah, man. Well, no, that was a big question. Hopefully but, we knocked out like three or four through that. Yeah, that, I think we touched on a few things. In <laughs> fact, as you were speaking, it made me think of a couple of these other questions. So uh, Felicia, she, she asked, um, well, she sent this statement. Can you talk about influence as leaders in safety? So much responsibility yet often less right. authority. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on the second part of that. Um, responsibility but not the authority because i think we we answered the first one mm-hmm. like how as a as a leader you can influence, influence people. people i think that's Absolutely. easy right and it, and it's walking the walk mm-hmm. right it's one thing no to tell everybody like we've all been there mm-hmm. get your hard hats on and then the boss walks through without one on you're like well Absolutely. what the what the f is going Absolutely. on there right um so you know you need to one of the things that was impressed on, upon me in the military like if i set a standard like if i set a uniform standard mine better be above that standard mm-hmm. right yeah like i if i set a standard and i'm even the same standard they're going to start to question mm-hmm. so as I, when i worked at at first data uh people were allowed to wear jeans they made a policy to wear jeans because the new vp was a jeans guy um i refused to wear jeans right i wasn't mm-hmm. about to let them think i would i'm above the standard mm-hmm. not in a conceited way mm-hmm. like i was always taught What's the dress code? Go one above. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Just in general. Right. Right. If it's business casual, I'm going to go one above. Like you just go one above. Like that's a, a standard policy I was always taught. Uh, as a leader, my uniform better be the best in the place. Right. So, and, and I think that's how you influence people, especially in the safety world. Like I'm going to follow every safety standard to the T and then some. Mm-hmm. Why do you tie off twice? Why not? Mm-hmm. Like I'm setting right. the tone. Like right. I know the minimum's one, but I'm going two. Like just as an example, right? No, that's a good example. Uh, and then they they see you doing that as a leader. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, oh shit, I'm gonna start doing it too. Mm-hmm. And then and then that permeates. But well, but I of, get that it. Kind of speaks to that authority thing. You may not have the authority to do what you believe is appropriate, but you can certainly demonstrate those. Well, you become the standard, mm-hmm. and and by default, you start to become the authority. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a great so, point. So everybody's got that job site like, hey, how do we do this? Oh, I don't know. What's the rule? I don't know. Go ask Doug. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has that go to person. Go ask Doug. Right. He knows everything. Right. Right. Even where I work at at US Stratcom, uh, there's one guy that everybody goes, go ask Colonel such and such. Mm-hmm. He'll know. Mm-hmm. Right. That, yeah. that person's like got it wired. Right. He set um, the standard. And, uh, you know, so the not having the responsibility, that's a tough one. Right. Because. Um, it's easy for people to say, well, well, you're not the boss or you're not my boss. Why do I have to listen to you? And a lot of times the safety person isn't the boss, right? right. You're just, you're the, you're, you're like HR, right? Like you're not my boss. You don't do my performance report. You don't sign my paycheck. Right. Um, I know, I understand you're telling me what to do, but if my boss doesn't tell me, I'm not going to do it. I get it. So this is where I think it's very important to, um, not when you go out there as a, as a safety manager or as a, um, whatever the term, mm-hmm. uh, safety, yeah, safety director, director, coordinator, whatever it is, coordinator. Things. It's like, you don't go out there with the idea of, I'm going to tell them what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. You go out there with the idea of engaging them personally, making conversation, um, asking them what things they're seeing. How can I help you? 
Mm-hmm. I'm here for exactly. you. And I think a lot of times that's missed, this idea of I'm here for you. Right. What, what I think happens a lot of times, it's I'm here to enforce the standard. Mm-hmm. Right now, you're the bad guy, right? You're the grim reaper walking around, mm-hmm. right? Uh, your OSHA showing up out of the blue, right? right? I, I'm, I'm here to make you do something rather than, hey, I'm here to help you be safer, prevent you from cutting your damn hand off or walking somewhere where you shouldn't be and hitting your head. Like, I'm here to help everybody be safer so we can work more and make more money. That's exactly And make right. life easier, right? And I think that's a very different approach that I'm here for you, mm-hmm. help me help you, rather than right. I'm here to enforce something on you. Right. I'm not sure a lot of safety people ask, you know, what can I do for you? What do you need? Yeah. I think they're very quick to point out, you know, deficiencies or errors or things they don't like. But they, I don't, I don't know that... Uh, you know, I think I mentioned I'm reading that book, that Trey Gowdy book about, uh, about asking the right uh, yeah, asking yeah. the right questions and, and persuading people through questions. And it's really an interesting book, but I think that that's exactly what you're talking about. When you, you know, what would be a better way to do that? Well, here's the thought, you know, too. Those it's kind like, of things. We talked about the old hat. There's always that one person on the crew who's been there forever, everybody looks up to. And, and if you walk up to that person, hey, Joe, I need you to help me. I need your help. Right, the guys aren't wearing their hats. How do we get them to do that? Mm-hmm. Right, he might go, "Well, X, Y, and Z, and this and that." And you might go, "Oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't realize, mm-hmm. you know, why they think it's stupid or why." It, so it's like, you know, when you ask them, "Hey, I, I need your help," mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah, that I, I need you to get the guys to do this. That's mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. right? That's it different. Is. Like, hey man, I need your help. Like, look, I, I get it. People don't like wearing the hard hats, or they don't like doing this, or they don't like doing that, they don't like taping off everything. But it's a simple fact is, is, it, is that we need to do it. It's an OSHA standard. Um, we, we do know it helps raise our safety standards, right? How, how can we get people to do this, mm-hmm. right? So That's now good. you're coming across as I'm in this with you. I can't figure out how to do it. And I know, I fully acknowledge that if I come in, reaper style and saying you have to x y and z it's going to get met with resistance mm-hmm. right anytime you try to force people to do something against the world they're going to resist right but if you get them to do it based on their idea right this mm-hmm. was their way of implementing it now it's more readily accepted and supported because it's because it's organic right it's mm-hmm. their idea they're gonna they have buy-in right away Right. And then now if you hold a meeting, right, let's say I hold a meeting, bring everybody in. It's like, all right, guys, here's the deal. We know we have this standard of taping off and we're not doing it. Um, Joe had a great idea on how we can probably do this and make it better. Now mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, right. shit, it was Joe's idea. Mm-hmm. It's not stuffy person mm-hmm. in the office who's never right. been on the floor just right. thinking they know what's going on. I was like, oh, crap, this was Joe's idea. Mm-hmm. We, we probably should do it. I like that. I mean, it. This it almost sounds like a parenting class, man. This is so parallel. It's a Jedi mind trick is what it is. <laughs> it is, but it's exactly parallel. Getting people to, you know, behave in a way that we want them to. That you know, working safely obviously is what we're talking about. But I mean, these sound like very similar concepts to just modifying behavior. Well, I mean, you know, at the end I mean, of the day, that's that's really what it yeah, is. They're right? all management and leadership is getting people to behave in a manner to perform at a high level that's most mm-hmm. beneficial to the mm-hmm. company. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. Absolutely. You know, and, that's really and, interesting. And how you do that is where it gets tricky, right? The how it's the how piece. Mm-hmm. But I think you've given like a new so one of the questions that I got was, um, 
you know, someone's being, as they're talking about, I have a young guy working for me that I plan to promote to a crew leader position. What do I need to do to prepare him or her? Um, much of what you're talking about, I think, would be really useful for new managers or new leaders to consider, you know, when they are trying to determine what their approach is going to be to leading their crew or whatever that situation looks like. I mean, as you said, I, I think there's so much power in engaging people rather than dictating to people. Uh, and that's often overlooked. And I mean, sometimes it's just based on the pressures and the, you know, the, we, you know, like you say, you have so much on your plate oftentimes as a manager or right. as leader, whatever that is. But man, if, if we forget those things, I think you're... And don't get me wrong. There, there's a time and a place to dictate. Yeah. Like if you have uh, a sudden short deadline or let's say OSHA comes out of the blue with this thing that needs to be implemented by tomorrow as, as an extreme case. Like sometimes you gotta go, guys, we need this. We got to do it now. I'll explain it later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and here's the thing. If you have a good culture, they'll be accepting of that because right. they know the real explanation is coming. If you haven't set the culture up good, that's gonna not going yeah, right. to be swallowed yeah. very well. Right. So, so it, all, it all comes down to the groundwork you've laid right. leading up to that that and allows you to that, dictate you once in a while. Occasions, you're going to get that response. Absolutely. That you want, so. Absolutely. And that, that, and that happens to everybody. I'm sure from time to time they're put under the gun and they have, you know, pressures. And so they, they, uh, appeal to their employees to help with that. Um, all right, man. We answered number three. I think we by did. Accident. <laughs> no, no actually, I think we did. That's <laughs> and that's an interesting one um, to me. The difference between a manager and a leader. I've always been interested by that. I, I think they're not. They're obviously not mutually exclusive, but they're not Correct. necessarily always. You know, leaders are not necessarily managers, and vice versa. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of effective managers, which I I, I kind of consider that more maybe from an organizational standpoint mm -hmm. or something, maybe management perhaps. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, you know, you, you make that transition when people want to do stuff for you without you having to ask. And I think mm -hmm. in, in, in a basic term, a manager's job is to get work done. Okay. Right? A yeah. manager's job is to make sure the work gets done. Right. Uh, a leader's job is to drive people. Mm -hmm. Now you hope those are the same and they're happening at the same time, but not always. Right. Right. right? right. The, the, the CEO his job is to make sure work's getting done. That's what his underlings, his VPs, his directors, his managers, that's what they're for, right? To drive the work based, right. on, based on his or her guidance, right? But a good CEO, right? You can say a good leader in, in, inspires people, right? People look up to that person, right? They, 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 they're setting the standard in terms of attitude and, and, and approach and how they act and how they talk to people, you know, that right. sets the tone and earlier to, I think it was Josh's question. Like that's how a leader sets the tone. Like people are watching, mm -hmm. right? They're the gold standard, of how you treat people. Right. Right. So one of my, um, one of my safety, um, I don't know if hero is the right word or mentor. I mean, I mean, never actually had any personal interaction with this individual, but I've mentioned him many, many times, Paul O'Neill, the former CEO of Alcoa, he referred to this, you know, this discretionary energy, and I think that's what you're referring to, mm -hmm. where people go above and beyond what the basic expectations of their job are. You know, they're coming in, or they're staying late, or they're working on things overtime, or they are putting in that discretionary energy, and they're doing that for the leader. They're not really doing that for the company, sure. necessarily. Well, they're not doing stuff. it for this image of this company. I mean, 
they're doing that for the leader that they are working for, typically. I Let's look assume. at that in even a simpler sense of discretionary energy. How much effort does it take to say hello, good morning to somebody? Now, if the CEO rolls in every day and everybody he or she passes, hello, good morning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And people are seeing that. Even, even the gender, hey, how you doing? Hello, good morning. Right? To me, that's discretionary energy. That's not mm-hmm. something you have to do. That's something mm-hmm. you want to do, you choose to do. Right? You're taking time and effort to acknowledge that person's there, to greet them, to ask them how they're doing. And, and, and as, you, as this person walks in, is saying, hello, good morning, how you doing to everybody they pass, shaking hands, mm-hmm. what's going on, and then maybe ask something simple about them. Right? That's, to me, that's, that's huge. That's setting the tone. That is huge. Right? And, and if you see this every time... The boss rolls in, and you're like, oh, my God, look at that. Mm-hmm. Right? Look how he's yeah. tre- he or she's treating people. Yeah. Did you and, have that? And interacting with people. Did you have a mentor like that in your life? Uh, I've seen Someone both. Who, um, I've seen both. Took an interest in you that didn't have to, obviously. They were. Um, yeah. You know, uh, pe- people that, that you meet through, you know, network groups and, and, and different jobs and whatnot, uh, people just come in and check in on you like mm-hmm. that it's incredibly powerful it is right it is because because you realize they're interested in you as a person mm-hmm. right right and uh you know yeah, i can, rem- I can and it's one of those it's one of those like when they say hey if you need anything let me know and mm-hmm. they truly and they mean, mean it, it. they yeah. truly mean and you it know they mean it right it's not just small yeah. talk or just some parting phrase exactly i can remember though and, and the opposite as you mentioned the opposite is true i can remember interacting with uh people in the in my chain of command in OSHA, they were many levels removed from me, you know, above me. And if they call you by name, even at a even at a conference or a meeting, they really have no reason to know who you are other than they've taken the time and they care enough to know that or they have just incredibly good yeah. memories, whatever. But they call you by name. Oh, my God. I mean, just the impact of something like that is uh, remarkable to me because I've experienced sure. that. And the opposite is true. You know, I used to have a, there, I worked for a manager at one time, used to call me Don all the time. My name is Doug, you know, right. like, how you doing, Don? And I'm like, you, you know, I was always like, you know, I know, but I mean, that just destroys your, yeah. you know, this dick doesn't even, can't even take the time to learn my yeah. name. One of my, one of my certifications for our, our strength and conditioning program, training for warriors, it's, um, the company's run by a guy named Martin Rooney, who's one of the most electrifying and energizing people I've ever been in front of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like you're in a room with this guy, you want to go out and conquer the world after, mm-hmm. after he's been talking to you, he just has this, this energy and optimism about him. But I went to a mastermind group with their yearly conference. Mm-hmm. Um, first time I ever met him. Actually, I met him at my initial certification with him. And then uh, it was probably about a year later, I went to the, the summit, as mm-hmm. they would call it. And I walked into a room. He goes, Aaron, how you doing? I was like, I met the dude once a year ago. Yeah. That's impressive, man. Right? And then like a year later, now you're kind of interacting via, you know, mm-hmm. he would do weekly zooms and skypes with all of his uh certified instructors and whatnot mm-hmm. and uh but you know it's so funny like he he's brings on these zooms he goes all right i see johnny from new york and aaron from omaha like it doesn't say like mm-hmm. when you go to zoom or skype, it doesn't mm-hmm. say where you're from but he looks like oh aaron from omaha and you're like holy shit now like mm-hmm. the guy knows me and, yeah. and, and knows where i'm from and uh and his his community that he's built, I don't, I don't want to say the word cultish, but it, it's like they are 
100% all in on this guy mm-hmm. because of how he treats yeah. people and because right. of those little things that he does. And you're mm-hmm. like, man, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, I just had it happen to me in my class. Like, I make it a point to try to learn every kid's name mm-hmm. by face. It's harder now with the mask on. They kind of mm-hmm. screw me. <laughs> right, and, then, right. and then when he switched seats, it really screws oh, yeah, with me because I'm like, damn it. Um, yeah. But uh, it was the second day of class. I walked in. There's this kid, Tate, that sits up front. And uh, as the kids walk in, I'll, I'll look at them and try to say their name. And uh, this uh, this kid, Amon, uh, changed seats. And I walked in, and I went, Amon. He goes, yep. I go, you were sitting up there last class. Mm-hmm. I go, you're messing with me, Amon, right? And I said, uh, you're sitting where Jessica was sitting last time. And this kid, Tate, goes, dude, that's amazing. <laughs> right? And uh, he goes, that's impressive. But that takes a concerted effort. You right, are, but, that but is I think intentional. It was, I don't think it was a mind thing that was impressive to him. I think it was like, wow, you actually were trying to learn our names. Mm-hmm. You actually were paying attention right. to, to us. Right. Right. And that, yeah. that's huge, right? That, that kid, I got that kid sold. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could say the sky is purple. I could, he'll probably believe mm-hmm. me now, right? Because yeah. I sold him as a teacher because right. now I'm, you know, I believed in those, uh, took interest in them as people. Absolutely. Right. Right. You know, my, my friend uh, Jackie Palachek talked about that, too. She, the elementary school teacher that came in and spoke with us uh, a few months ago, she said the same thing. And it's so simple, but to learn the names of those people that you're dealing with, that you're interacting with. I've got a client, a new client down in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I've been in the facility a couple times. It's a small operation. They probably have 12 employees. But the second time I was there, I went around and... I probably got nine of the 12 names correct. And now the next time I went back, I knew all of the names. It's monster. And that, just that little thing in and of itself, you know, they are, they're, they're, they're listening to me now. I think, mm-hmm. you know, they may not agree with what I'm telling them, but they at least listen. And I, I don't think you even get that if they don't think you sure. have any interest in the, them. The running joke in my class is when I know their name, like I can literally call on them and they'll look up and I go, sucks knowing your name, doesn't <laughs> right. it? Right. And they're like, oh, like he knows me. Yeah. Right. But you know, to, to all the questions here, I, I, that's a huge thing. Like, and, and I challenge everybody. Do you know on that shop floor in that factory, do you know everybody's name? Do you know their spouse's name? Do you know their kids' names? Just start there. Mm-hmm. Like you want to build culture? Just start there. Huge. You're right. Right? Just start by learning their name, their spouse's name, or their significant other, and then their kids' names. Like, there's nothing more powerful, right, That's True. than for me to go, hey, Doug, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, well, particularly. How's your boy skating going? How's your boy skating going? Right? Exactly. Anyone in a position of authority that has taken the time to know something about you, mm-hmm. it, it, that's incredibly powerful. I would agree. Isn't that right, Sally? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Sasha. You know I'm teasing. <laughs> no. as, she, as, I, I, as she shuts the recording off. Yeah, I was going to say, I have to be careful. I like, delete everything I've said. Has just been... No, I think that's fantastic. Man, we have covered a lot of material. Is there anything you want to close with? Any any parting? you want to hit one more question? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just kind of looking through the questions. I mean, I think we're going to we, be doing this indefinitely sure. until either you tire of it or I die. I one think or the other, we hit so. most of them. You know, uh, someone asked, I got a young guy working for me. I, I plan to promote. What should I do? Mm-hmm. I, just all the things. Mm-hmm. Start to condition that person on all right. the things we were doing now. Like, right. start 
to tell them it's not about job knowledge. It's about just about your people skills, your interpersonal mm-hmm. skills. And I would watch this person like a hawk. Mm-hmm. That's a good how point. do they interact with people? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then decide if they're ready for leadership material. Right. Right. Well, how think, is this person? I think person? your point about maybe giving someone those little leadership tasks before you promote them might sure. be a good way to just evaluate whether they're sure. the just person. Put that them you in want charge of one thing. Right? Just or, see how they interact you know, because I've seen authority just overwhelm some people. They get a little bit of authority, and all of a sudden they are dictators. <laughs> I mean, they just go nuts. Well, I mean, look at, in my own little martial arts class with the kids. It, you know, if I put one of them in charge, it quickly becomes Lord of the Flies. Exactly. Like I'll turn around and the kid up front, I've dropped them all for push-ups, and I'm like, "What the heck just happened?" I said, "Stretch the class," and he's got yeah. them doing push-ups, right? Yeah. Because somebody was talking, and he's got just this little bit of authority now. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, some people don't deal with that well, man. In my experience, <laughs> it's like that. Um, you know, there was that experiment done. It's been many years ago where you take a, a group of students and some of them are prison guards and others are prisoners. Mm-hmm. Have you, do you remember that? It's some kind of a psychological Oh, Stanford, the Stanford yeah, experiment. and all of a sudden the, yeah. the, the people that are simulating oh. the guards are being abusive. We're torturing, straight up cruel. torturing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. man, so I, I think there is something to be aware of. As you said, keep an eye on them, watch yeah. them to make sure that they are doing things the way that and, we And here's what I would do, done. like if you're going to promote somebody within, like if you take someone off a crew and then put them in charge, don't do it out of the blue abruptly, right? Because what happens, it's everybody else on crew is like, what makes him so special? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, he was here right beside us. Like, why do I need to listen to him all of a sudden? Oh, that's a good point. I think he's an idiot. He he's not as good as me at the job. So you, you, you have to prep the environment as well when you're going to promote somebody. You know, it's one of those things where if you start putting him in those little leadership roles or you start giving them extra tasks and other people see that, they now start to see that that person's being groomed a little mm-hmm. bit. They're starting to move down this other path. That's like if you point. just go from Friday, they're on right. the crew. Monday, they're the boss of the crew. Mm-hmm. That's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. That is, yeah. Right, wrong, or indifferent. It just is. I mean, and, and, and if you say, well, it shouldn't be a big deal, you're a liar. Because mm-hmm. yeah, you would have a naive. problem too, right? Yeah. If one of your peer managers, like if on a Friday, one of your peer managers it's just that appearing on Monday, suddenly you're the VP. You're going to have a problem with that, mm-hmm. probably. Absolutely. Right now, if that person's been slowly being groomed for it, you kind of see they're on that path. You kind of see they've been put in charge of some programs. You acknowledge that, hey, you know, they're actually better at some of the stuff mm-hmm. than I am. Mm-hmm. It's not a surprise to you when they get bumped, or if somebody right. leaves, they get bumped to that role. And that's a great point. Right. So I've seen that. Be very careful how you do it. Like, like mm-hmm. there, there, there's a method to the madness. Like, don't blindside everybody by saying, hey, Doug's in charge now. Mm-hmm. what he says yeah. goes <laughs> right and that's like right. what yeah there, there can be a lot of resentment about things like that where there is no preparation for that again i refer back to the government that's how it was in the government you know everybody that was qualified could apply for a position and then all of a sudden the guy that you were working side by side with is now your boss and um, there, w- there could be resentment. There, there was a lot of challenges to sure. that. So I think there's I a think lot of ways to do it advice. too. I'm not saying you have to go, you know, there's a job open. I'm going to open up for interviews and I'm going to, you know, this X, Y, and Z, you know, what you can say is, Hey guys, I'm, I'm looking uh, to create this new position. Uh, here's what it entails. Uh, if you think it's something you'd like to do, let me know. I'm interested in who's, who else is interested in it. I said, I have a few people in mind, mm-hmm. but here's the type of person I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And here's what the job is going to entail, right. maybe too. I mean, and so a lot of people might go, "Nope, not me." Like mm-hmm. they want nothing to do with it, right? Or they're or and, and you, I, I promise you that 
the people on the crew, the people on the floor are going to be like, oh, that's going to be so-and-so. Like, mm-hmm. they, they know, like, as soon as you describe it and what I'm looking for and what the job needs, they're going to know, well, that's definitely not me. Mm-hmm. It's probably more Joe, Bob, or Sally, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so you, you tell them, hey, here's what it entails. Let me know if it's something you're interested in, but here's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And then that yeah. way it's not out of the blue. They know something's coming. They know there's going to be this new leadership position uh, and, and what it's going to entail, right? Here's how it's going to affect you guys, right? Here's what this position is, how it's going to affect you. Here's what you can expect. And here's who I'm looking for. And, um, and, and that way, again, it's that transparency piece. It's that they understand the why. They understand what's happening and, and the and the reason behind it how it's going to affect them what you're looking for they already know who it's probably going to be then Mm -hmm. the second you describe it they know it's only describing a handful of people in the place right and then and now you transition someone into the role yeah i like that too yeah uh, man um so the point behind this the these uh the leadership series that we've put together is just to provide this basic information i you know i've always suggested that there, there is a bit of a gap as far as leadership is concerned, or at least leadership training and preparation in the safety community. You know, we train people on technical things fairly well, but we don't always consider how important this leadership piece is to effective safety and health management. Right. So, um, well, like you said, you know, I've said in numerous conversations where you go, you know, safety has always been been this thing that we've done that we've applied on mm-hmm. top, but it's never been a part of the culture. It's a thing. Right, you know, it's like this it's, thing we do, but it's mm-hmm. not this thing we live by, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and I think that's the the big transition is because there wasn't a it wasn't done with a leadership mindset behind it. It was just this thing we put on top of everything else exactly. that we have to do. That's that's, for, great, that's forced on everybody. That's a great description of what I've been trying to say, man. <laughs> <laughs> the smart water is not working. <laughs> So Maybe that flavor anyway. flavoring, man. Yeah, please don't think less of me for having flavored water. I, <laughs> that was a mistake. Um, I do want to ask you, though, before we close today, um, one of the things that I think um, we're going to start doing on the, on the podcast in general is just offering resources. And one of the things I'm interested in is books. Um, any, any books that you're reading or have read that you think yeah, might be man, useful I, to somebody think, interested uh, in this? a great book uh, is it's called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, uh, two former Navy SEALs. Um, I, I read the book, and it's Leadership 101 to me because mm-hmm. I, I went through all You've the same leadership it. courses as those yeah. guys went through. But the premise behind it is um, this idea of ownership. And that it, it needs to be at all levels. And it goes back to what we are talking about. You got to lead by example. You have to be the gold standard. And where a lot of leaders fail is they don't own up to the mistakes of the company or their own mistakes. There's a lot of finger pointing. Mm-hmm. It's they screwed up, not me. Um, we hired the wrong people. It, it's always somebody else's fault rather than, okay, I'm the boss. I'm the leader. It's ultimately my fault. I accept that. Okay, guys, Mm -hmm. I accept I set you up for failure or I didn't give you the right tools needed Mm -hmm. to to prevent this from happening, right? Uh, Like a safety violation. I'm sure everybody listening has been there. A safety violation happens, and the first instinct is that person screwed up. Mm -hmm. Whereas extreme ownership advocates, where did we screw up? How did I fail this person? Mm -hmm. Because that's ultimately what happened, right? They Yes, they broke protocol. Yes, they didn't follow the checklist or the guidelines but 
I created the environment that allowed that to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I created the culture that didn't hold that person accountable, that people weren't looking out for each other. It's ultimately my fault. And if I don't acknowledge that, it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? If point. I don't start taking steps to right. correct, if I just say it's that person's fault, don't do what he did, that doesn't fix anything. Right? So extreme ownership is like, hey, the, the buck stops with me. At the end of the day, it was my fault. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and a lot of leaders don't like to do that because one, we don't like to be wrong. I'm the boss. I'm infallible. I'm the smartest one here. It's not my fault. Right. right. And, and that's dangerous. That's incredibly dangerous because what does that do? Right. We go back to all the culture we've been talking about. They're watching you. They're watching how you react. Oh, man. They're watching. Did you point the finger or did you right. take it yourself? Nothing is when more something happened than when you do that. Right. How, how many times has there been a safety incident on one of your job sites and the, did the CEO or the owner show up? Doesn't happen. Like, why weren't they the first one there? Right. Like, like if I like if I get called and say, "Hey, someone died on the job site," I'm dropping everything and I'm getting there as fast as I can. Absolutely. Right. Right. But how right. often does that not happen? I think that's I think that's the rule rather than the exception. I I don't think you know that, what I mean. It's well, it's like, just like taking responsibility for that. How often does a CEO who could be you know multiple levels above plant level or whatever? How often do they accept responsibility for that fatality? Right. You know, it was the it was the plant manager's responsibility or it was the employee who did something sure. that they shouldn't have. Uh, or, again, that's very rare. Or not just showing up, but all hands on deck right now. Mm-hmm. I don't, drop what you're doing. Get over there. We just had a fatality or someone's seriously injured. I don't give a shit what's going on. Nothing's more important. Yeah. And then and then showing up. Right. I, I'm not saying every little incident you need to do that for. But we, we know the major incidents when they happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Or. You know, how about, uh, you know, when, when things do happen, showing true interest in it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I heard this happen. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Not to micromanage you, but to understand I'm truly concerned. This is ultimately my responsibility. And what can we do to and make what are sure we doing? What are we, what are we doing to make right. sure? Not what did you do to fix it? What right. are we doing to fix it? Right. What do you need? How do we stop right. this from happening? And, 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 and to me, that that's extreme ownership. Like, that's the leadership ultimately owning everything that happens Good, bad, or indifferent. So it, it's 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 owning all the bad things, right? It, it's kind of a general rule, right? You own everything that went wrong. You take the responsibility. But then you let them take the praise for everything that goes right, right? There's also the opposite. Sure. Those leaders that went, I did this right. on the face of the company. I made this happen. And you're like, dude, you don't even know what the hell, how that even happened. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you're going you're to take it like mm-hmm. you did it, yeah. right? The good leader goes, Man, my team did a kick-ass job. You won't believe what they pulled off. And, uh, you know, th- this wasn't me. They did this on their own, and they figured out ways to pull us off. And, and they laid 15 miles of pavement in, in, a, in a time period. I thought they could only do two, right? But th- mm-hmm. these guys knocked it out of the park. Like, it was all them, right? That's ownership as well, right? right? It's, it's letting them own the wins, Right. Man. And now, now th- this is something we'll have to talk about next time because you just opened up this discussion that I wanted to talk about is about uh, that requires a certain level of confidence, you know, on the part of that manager, that leader to give that credit to someone else. Yeah. And I, I've encountered a lot of managers uh, that um, are so they, they lack confidence. They're so concerned that their employees might. I don't know if they're worried about losing their jobs or somebody's going to find out that they, you know, this person may be better suited to the job, but, but they cannot, they cannot give that credit. They have to take the credit themselves. And, and, uh, 
And that is really undermining too, to that whole thing you've been talking about. Well, yeah. They don't want to yeah. work for you anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been in that situation and that is really. Especially if you take it and don't even give them a defeating. thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, take the, the credit. Day. No, thank you. And uh, now ask me to do something well, else. I paid you, didn't I? You know, yeah, that, yeah, that type of approach. That kind of attitude, exactly. Man, I think we're out of time. This was a fantastic episode. Thank you very much. It's fun. Um, it's almost the weekend. Uh, you got plans? I am. Plans? I'm praying for cool weather because <laughs> right. I'm going to be at a barn all weekend. My daughter rides. She's got a. Oh, she got a show. She actually rides today. I'm going to miss it today because it was a Friday, Saturday. It's kind of a, a longer show, mm-hmm. and uh, we. She got to skip school today oh, and to her. ride. And um, but look, guys, I, I love supporting my daughter. There's nothing more miserable. When it's 95 out, <laughs> right. you're at a barn at with a barn. with a bunch of horses. There's flies everywhere. You're standing in horse crap because it's everywhere. You might you might try to tell me you're standing in dirt, but I know what it really is. <laughs> right. and, uh, and dirt and, doesn't stick to your and, boots. And, like and that. you know, especially if it's dry and the dust kicks up, and you're just like, yeah. I'm covered in horse crap right yeah. now, and flies are biting me, and Ooh. I'm sweating, and it's miserable. Would rain um, help? Should we pray for rain? Oh or man, does that even make no? Because then you go inside, and everybody's <laughs> on top of each it's other. It's even like worse. The, at the outdoor shows are the best because at least yeah. you can get outside, and you got some breeze going, so and we'll, you're breathing we'll, fresh air. We'll hope for cooler like, weather. So the the funny part is, is like uh, you know, some of the shows make you wear masks while you're there watching and i'm sitting there going covid you're more in danger of breathing in horse crap and fly spray than anything <laughs> right, right now it's like that's going to kill me before before covid yeah. will oh, no so doubt, yeah man. that's that's my weekend that sounds know? good usually when she rides that takes up the whole weekend and uh you know it's uh it just it, cool weather pray for cool weather yeah i agree man. <laughs> we, we need some cool weather one last thing um if people want more information about Mid-America Martial Arts, you've got a website, a really nice website. Yeah, hit the website or hit us up on social media. You can find us. But, again, more importantly, you know, th- this was awesome, everybody. Like, these questions came in, and, and please keep them coming. And uh, it allows me to, to answer things that you need. Mm-hmm. It, it's less about just throwing knowledge out there, but, you know, specific knowledge to, to fit your needs is it's going to make everybody better out on their everyday job. I Definitely. Think it's huge. And I think that's why Doug's here. That's yeah. why he started yeah. the podcast to begin with. And if we can add this extra layer just to, you know, at the end of the day, we're keeping people safer. We hope so. Right. You Definitely. know, so that, that's the goal. That's the point. All right, man. Um, I, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for cooler weather. <laughs> um, I, I need some cooler weather, in fact, as well, man. I, I, we're My air conditioner I'm just waiting for it to break. You know, it's been running 24-7 for the last five days, and I am just waiting. I can't imagine the HVAC guys right now because oh, they've geez. got to be just coming apart every day. Yeah. I'm just, you know, hopeful that mine will make it through this uh, tough patch. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you, we'll talk good, to you later. Have We're going to be back. every. We'll be back in, in uh, one month from, you know, the last Friday of every month. We're going to continue our leadership series with Aaron, so stay tuned for those. Everybody have a great weekend. Um, Aaron mentioned something that I really agree in. Much of what we are doing is just about service to the people that we work with. Keep that in mind. Uh, Safety is about service. Um, And uh, keep in mind why we're doing this. So have a great weekend. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later.